How do you think about, how do you respond to an unchanging person? Those are two things that you want to think about, how you think about them and how you respond to them because you have somebody in your life who is not changing. That person has just come to your mind. Who is that person? Maybe you have several people in your life who are not changing according to your expectations, according to your timetable. Well, how do you think about them? How are you responding to them? That is an attitude question and a behavioral question. The way you think about them, the way that you respond. How about this? God's grace is sufficient for them. God can change anyone. The Spirit can empower a person to change. God's Word is sufficient. So the big question is, why do some people not change? That's what I want to talk about in the podcast. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I am so glad that you are here. If you have a question for me, please ask. It would be a pleasure to serve you. Go on our website, get your username, your password. You can ask on our free forum or you can ask on our private forum. Do you know why you can ask on our free forum? Is because we have people who are underwriting the ministry who are supporting us on a monthly or annual basis. Pat, thank you so much. Pat has been a supporting member for many years now, and his credit card lapsed, and he is now recurring again. Pat, thank you for your $5 monthly support. Tara, thank you for your $5 monthly support. Jenny, Thank you for your $50 recurring annual membership, and thank you also for the additional $15 donation yesterday. That is so kind of you. Laura, thank you for changing your membership from $5 a month to $10 a month. And Jennifer, $5 a month. Thank you. Tamara, $10 a month. Thank you so much. And finally, Vance, thank you for your $5 a month support. Have you benefited from the ministry? Have we helped you in any way? You're on the run right now, going to work, going somewhere, listening to the podcast. Would you make a note? Man, when I get home, I'm going to uh, support this ministry. It's the least I can do. I'm going to give up a Starbucks coffee. I'm going to give up something, and I'm going to support this ministry at $5 a month or whatever it may be. Would you do that? I would greatly appreciate it because it is the people who support the ministry that allow us to answer questions all day long on our community forums so that we can keep the ministry going, keep the lights on, and provide so many resources freely this past summer, I published two books. The first one was Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. And the second one is Suffering Well, a play on words, How to Suffer Well. The subtitle is How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. Lori read the book and she said this, This book is so helpful and informative. It is full of great biblical truths that if applied, I like that caveat there, if applied, so true. But Lori says, if applied, 
have the ability to carry you through your time of suffering and trial. And then Kim, she read the book, and here's what she said. This book did more to realign my thinking to God's way than any other book I have ever read. That's pretty strong right there. Thank you, Kim, for saying that. Rick showed me how to grow in my suffering by putting into action God's word in practical ways that are truly transforming. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome, Kim, and thank you for writing a review. Some of you have already read the book. Would you do me a favor? Go to Amazon and write a review like what Lori did and what Kim did just last week. That helps It tells Amazon, hey, we need to spread this book around. We need to get it in more hands. And so they release their algorithms and allow it to reach more people based on reviews. That's a part of how it works. And so if you would write a review, that's one of the ways that you could support our ministry. If you want to read today's podcast, I want you to go on our website, rickthomas.net. Here's the title, How to Think About and Respond to the Unchanging Person Because You Have One in Your Life. If you really love God, you have more than one in your life, and and they're all not changing. And so this will benefit you. You can listen to the podcast now, and then you can go back and read these same podcasts later in an article format. This is about 2,000 words. I also have an infographic in this podcast, and I have three other articles. For those of you who like to take deep dives, you can do that. Jump in on this, how to think about and respond to the unchanging person, and you can read a whole lot of content about this idea. The change question, that's what we're talking about, and it is the number one query when someone makes an appointment with me. That's what they're coming to me for. That's what they are talking about. The questioner wants to know the ins and outs of personal change, whether they are talking about change for themselves or whether they're talking about change for someone else. Now, the 25-cent word for what we're talking about with change is the word repentance, the doctrine of repentance, how to change. I got someone in my life that's not changing. Now, of course, I can't answer this question with specificity, because I don't have all the details of what is happening in order for me to give a better answer or to give an answer at all. I have to have more information about the individual who's asking the question about themselves or if they're asking the question about someone else, which does happen from time to time. I do not understand why they are not changing or if they ever will change, by the way. You have to factor that into the possible equation here, they might not ever change. Everyone thinks about these things because you assuming that you are a Christian, and if you are a Christian, you think about the change process personally, practically for yourself, and you're thinking about somebody else right now. We think about these things because we love people. You can boil it down to two questions. Why does he not change? And then 
When will he change? Those are the two questions I want to interact with in this podcast. I'll take it in in two parts because this is a relevant topic regarding our attitudes and our responses that we have toward people who are not changing. All caring disciples have pondered the change question as you sit across from someone in a discipleship context or as you think about someone in your own family, probably, you wonder if change will take place. These are valid and biblical thoughts. And if you filter the change question through the grid of Scripture, what will come out on the other end are two possible reasons why a person doesn't change. I think that this is an exhaustive list. There are two reasons that a person will not change. Number one, if a person is not a Christian, he cannot change. Now, I dealt with some of this in the Life Over Coffee podcast yesterday, and I would encourage you to uh, listen to that podcast. I have it linked here in these show notes, but it's episode 151, and it's titled, Should You Waste Your Time with an Unchanging Person? But what I talked about in that podcast, and I'm not going to repeat that information here, even though I'm going to deal with this idea, if a person is not a Christian, he cannot change in a long-term, sustainable way. And then number two, here's the second reason a person doesn't change. He has unrepented sin in his life. If he's not a Christian, he can't change. If he has unrepented sin in his life, He can't change. So when you ask the question, why does he not change, or when will he change, there's two ideas that you have to contend with. Is the person a Christian? Does the person have unrepented sin in his life? Let's take both of those. I'll take the first one first. He's not a Christian. Whether or not the person is a Christian is an obvious answer for why he is not changing. Though he can make a few behavioral changes, those changes will not be permanent because the Spirit of God has not changed him or is not controlling him as instructed by the Word of God. There's no power. Now, of course, you can change in a temporary sense and even in a limited sense. You could quit drinking for the rest of your life if you're not a Christian. You can quit a lot of bad habits. But true transformational change, what I'm talking about here, spirit-empowered, where it, it not only breaks a habit or two, but it begins to have a comprehensive transformation of your character in addition to your behaviors, and it's incremental, progressive for the rest of your life. That's the change that I'm talking about, and you can't do that unless God imposes himself and regenerates you. You become born again. All that he thinks, all that comes from his heart, the power of God has to be working actively inside of him to change him because any change that he attempts will not be sustainable. On his best days, he will be cyclic in his behavior. Even if he breaks a long-standing habit, again, which can happen, 
but from a character transformation and have consistency in his lifestyle, he may be without the habit, but he will not be transformed. Now, part of what's going on with, let's say he's not a Christian, is that some unchanging people live in Christian environments. They go to church, as the saying is, and they have church friends. They participate in church activities. Typically, he has learned the language of Christianity while being in an unregenerate condition. He's Christianized, is what I'm talking about, but not born from above. Now, this situation happens if he has been associated with Christianity or familiarized with it during his childhood, which happens a lot, or maybe it's been the predominant view of his culture. Now, I live in the southern part of the United States, and in the south, as we say, we call this the Bible Belt, and so it's it's really common to run into Christianized people who have not been born from above. A person like this can put on church clothes and do churchy things, but the overwhelming power of God has not transformed him. Now, it takes a lot of discernment to be able to see through all the Christianized manifestations. And let me give you a big caveat here. While understanding that your assessment is subjective analysis at best, you want to be careful here. We don't want to be sinfully judgmental, but we do want to be discerning of people, and sometimes it's hard to see through the Christianized manifestations. Don't be surprised if you pop the question, are you a Christian? And he gives you an affirmative nod. Be careful about accepting his response when your conscience is saying something else. The Spirit of God is illuminating your mind, saying something else. I know you want to believe the best, and you should. Love believes the best. You want to think the best about an individual because we, we pull for people, and, and we want to think the best about people, but you can't take off your discernment cap and do not press the matter because if you do take off your discernment cap and if you do not press the matter, it could be an eternal mistake. But if you do this... You will be serving your friend. Now, I don't want you to assume that I am a Christian because I say that I am a Christian. If someone has a concern about my faith because of the behaviors that they see in me, I want them to love me enough to say something. Even if you are wrong, you want to be careful here. But let me ask you this. Which is worse? One, suggesting that they are not a Christian and they get offended at you, or saying nothing and they genuinely aren't Christians and they go to hell. Now, I'm not asking you to call them on the carpet with a judgmental or uncharitable attitude. I'm asking you to love the person so much that you want to share your heart about what you are observing in their lives. Now, of course, what you want to do always, you want to hold your subjective assessments loosely and humbly. But by all means, if you have concerns about a person's salvation, you must proceed, though not in a suspicious or condemning way, 
but in a caring and wise approach. Who knows? Maybe that's all it takes for your friend to be on his way toward change. The title of the podcast is How to Think About, How to Respond to the Unchanging Person. I've divided this into two parts. Number one, if a person is not changing, it is possible that the individual is not a Christian. I've just interacted with that aspect. The second part is, perhaps, maybe, they have unrepentant sin in their life. Let's take that one now. Perhaps the person you love is a Christian, to the best that you can discern it. But they are stuck and are not changing mentally, attitudinally, or behaviorally. If they are a Christian and they are not changing, because those two things don't go together, by the way, because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And if they, for the sake of conversation, for the sake of argument, for the sake of this podcast, we're going to say that the person is sincerely, genuinely, authentically a Christian, but they are not changing, then there is sin in their lives. Sin has captured them like what Paul talked about in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. You know the passage well. If anyone is caught in any transgression, sin has captured. That's why I use that language, that sin has captured them. It could be that they are enjoying their sin more than they enjoy making God's name great through holy living. Whether their sin has them or they are holding on to their sin. That can go either way. Some people are truly addicted and they have been captured by sin. Other people just like holding on to it. But either way, honestly, it doesn't matter in this sense because they will not grow into Christ-like maturity. Sin won't let Christ-like maturity happen. You cannot grieve or quench the Spirit of God and expect Him to empower you to grow into Christ-likeness. Now, let me give you a big fat caveat here. It is essential that you distinguish between episodic sinning and pattern sinning when you're trying to serve your friends. You see, everyone sins. That's understood. There are hundreds of imperatives in the New Testament that would imply that we have ongoing problems with sin. And so none of us is looking at each other judgmentally because we all struggle with sin to varying degrees. But there is a difference between an episode and a pattern when it comes to how we respond to sinning. The episodic sinner will be fighting the good fight against sin, repenting of it, and seeking help for the recurring episodes The pattern sinner is not repentant at the level of his heart and continues in it consistently. He may pretend to repent, but he is not fighting a fight against sinfulness, and he's not soliciting the help of others to help him in that fight. You see, episodic sinning is you you do it today and you begin walking through the repentance process and you truly regret what you have done and you're resisting temptation and then in three or four or five days you do it again and, and you continue in that persevering fight, but you are an episodic sinner and all of us have 
at least one sin pattern in our life that we commit episodically, but then you have others who just do it daily, many times throughout the day. That's a pattern, and there is a difference, and you want to discern that. Is the person that I'm trying to help sinning episodically, or is this a pattern in their life? But in either case, of no salvation or stuck in sin, you have to be courageous. You have to be full of grace. You have to be willing to help your friend. You must also hold your assessments humbly while ministering grace to your unchanging friend. But don't think that grace, courage, strength, humility, discernment, perseverance are at odds with each other because they're not. You must balance all of these Christ-like character traits as you fight the good fight for your friend. Let me give you a brief case study on the unchanging person. As you're fighting this fight for your friend, it is essential that you have the right perspective on the change process. Here's the entire passage, or at least the first three verses in Galatians 6. I mentioned part of this to you earlier. Paul said in Galatians 6, 1, if a brother is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, restore this person in a and a spirit of gentleness. And then he says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You want to make sure you're guarding your mind as you enter into someone else's sin. If you're not thinking rightly, you will become entangled. You will not guard your heart. And this usually means you'll become self-righteous, which will probably manifest in anger or impatience. How many parents have done this because they have an unchanging child and they didn't keep watch on themselves and they became tempted. They didn't bear one another's burdens correctly. They didn't fulfill the law of Christ. They thought themselves were, they were something when they were not, and they were deceived. This is what Paul was saying to the caregivers, to the parents, to the discipler, to the counselor, to the good friend who's helping an unchanging person. You become self-righteous, which can manifest as anger or as impatience. We have a beautiful picture of this idea in Luke 15, the story of the the prodigal son. We're offered a template that you can apply to the unchanging person. The story is about the prodigal son. But as you think about this son, think about your friend. Think about that person in your life. And I want you to note the downward progression that eventually led to his repentance. In verses 11 and 12, the prodigal son asked his dad for his inheritance so he could run away from home and live a self-centered lifestyle. Many children have done this. Verse 13, he leaves home. This is Luke 15, by the way. In verse 13, he leaves home and begins a hedonistic spending spree. In verse 14, he continues to rebel, and because of his rebellion, there is only one outcome. He won't listen. And his demise continues this downward spiral. In verse 15, he's living for self. Though things are falling apart, he persists. 
He finds like-minded, sinful friends. It continues to get worse, which is the way of sin. Verse 16, God graciously is graciously bringing him to an end as he contemplates snacking with the pigs in the pig pen. Be sure your sin will eventually find you out. You begin to wonder how long he will stick to his stubborn ways. Will this guy ever change? Verse 17, the light finally comes on. He comes to his senses. He is now in his right mind, and he repents in verse 17. Not in verse 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 or 16, but he repents in verse 17 and he turns to God, and he turns to others. He turns to his dad. What you need to know is that there is nothing you can do as far as making this son repent. You cannot make anyone repent. Repentance is a gift from God that he grants in his timing, if he allows it at all. When you're helping someone, remember that you don't know this is the way I like to say it. You don't know which verse they are in as it pertains to the prodigal story. Is the person in verse 13 where he's just starting out on this wayward journey, this downward spiral? Or is he in verse 16 and he's just about to repent to God and to his daddy? This issue that I'm conveying here, this principle is vital information to remind yourself when a person is not changing God will not give you the answer to this, by the way. He will not tell you that on October the 15th, your son is going to repent of sin. He will not tell you when this person is in verse 17 and has come to his senses, because if he told you that, you would rest in the awareness of knowing when and where he would repent, meaning your faith would be in the identified outcome and you could rest in this information rather than God, the Lord will not give you the answers about a person changing because he wants you to trust him as you lovingly wait while actively praying and engaging your friend in the change process. You must guard your heart. Again, that's what Paul said in Galatians 6. The unchanging person's journey may have just begun, even though maybe you have been waiting for a long time already. Your job is to trust God all the way to the end while praying, loving, helping this individual to change. Let me give you three keys to remember about the things that I've been saying thus far. Number one, having the right perspective is essential to serve your friend because in most cases, he will not be ready to change when you first engage him about change. Number two, understand that repentance is a gift from God and you can't force it upon anyone. God grants repentance to people when he wants to, where he wants to, and how he wants to. Not only must you have a right perspective about this person, you must understand that repentance is a gift from God. But number three, before you ever address the heart of the person that you are serving, make sure you've discerned the state of your heart and that you continue to discern the state of your heart. I've had many situations where I needed to change in my life, my own life, but was not willing to change. I am grateful for the people who are willing to persevere with me. They patiently and lovingly walk me through the process of repentance. 
At times, the temptation is to give up on people, especially if you become frustrated with them or if you're afraid to confront them. That's anger and fear of man. I appeal to you not to give up on your friend. Your desire to help is a gospel desire. Christ died for us while we were sinners, not after we stopped sinning. To help a sinner while the sinner is sinning is godlike. And as you know, it is inherent in sheep to wander. We all wander. Regeneration and sanctification are processes. I spent the first 25 years of my life getting to the cross, and the rest of my life has been growing in cross-centered sanctification. You must have faith in the process of regeneration and sanctification. If you do not have hope for the process that your friend is in, he'll know it. He'll pick up on it. He'll discern it. He'll know you're angry. He'll know you're frustrated. He'll know that you're impatient. He'll be aware of your displeasure, and your attitude will be an unnecessary hurdle that he will have to scale. One of the ways you can regulate your attitude toward him as you are waiting on him to change is to express regular heartfelt gratitude to God for the privilege that you have to be a minister of reconciliation. Talk to God, talk to Him often, which is the only right thing to do, and it will help you as you help the unchanging person. Now, your situation is unique, I'm sure. Your friends are unique. You have your own story. Perhaps you would like to chat about this, the podcast, how to think about how to respond to the unchanging person. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.